Welcome to the Fabulous at 50 podcast, where we are changing the aging narrative. I'm your host, Joanne Newadak, and I'm thrilled to bring you stories that matter and celebrate your place in the world. As an advocate for lifelong learning, health, and women's empowerment, I believe it's never too late to live the life you've always imagined. Through lively and informative interviews with inspiring guests, we'll explore a wide range of topics relevant to our global sisterhood of vibrant, inquiring women just like you. Join me for today's episode and let's start changing the aging narrative together. Hey everyone, I'm so excited you're joining us for today's episode. I have a wonderful guest here, but I just want to read you a stat that just kind of blew me away. Over 72% of seniors over the age of 85 are living in the community with complex chronic conditions, yet only 16%, that's a very small amount, are receiving publicly subsidized housing support and services. So what are the rest doing and what can they do? That's what we're going to be talking about today with our my wonderful guest, Stephanie Chan. She lives in Vancouver, Canada, and she's been working in the senior living industry for over 16 years. She also happens to be the owner of Home to Home and My Care Base, which is a really interesting platform. I'd never heard of it before, and I'm super excited to learn about these options because Maybe one of these seniors is one of your loved ones. Do you have an elderly parent or aunt, or maybe you're starting to think about what's going to happen to yourself? So Stephanie, welcome to today. Thank you so much for having me, Joanne. Yeah, I really appreciate you being here. So let's just dive right in. Like I was so, when we had a little bit of a pre-talk, I was quite fascinated by what is my, um, uh, my care base? Like what, what's that yeah. all about? It is a new platform to help families with finding, hiring, and managing home care, essentially. In a nutshell, that's what it is. Um, and so it's a marketplace platform where they can find vetted caregivers for hire, combined with a care management app that allows them to monitor that care, communicate with the caregivers, delegate tasks, and monitor whether those tasks have been performed from wherever they are. So this is in recognition that in modern times, not every family member lives close to their parent, but we all worry about our parents. Of course, of course. I know for myself, I just went through last year of um, flying back and forth to Ontario and helping care for my dad. He was living independently. Now, Mm -hmm. as it turned out, we needed to actually get him a lot of help and I had to move in. But just Mm -hmm. prior to that, I was at a point where I was like, how do I support him just having the occasional caregiver. And I know there's lots of different agencies out there, right? but there is a lot of um, where people hire privately. And if Mm -hmm. I understand correctly, this is a way of people being able to hire a private caregiver, but they know they're already vetted and you help match them together. I think now maybe I shouldn't (laughs) liken this, but when I hear of this, it reminds me a bit of like an like a holiday home app where you have somebody that has a holiday home and you have someone looking for it. Now it's right. Somebody is a caregiver. They go on and they, do they apply or do you go out and recruit? How does that work? So they apply. We have certain recruiting channels through the colleges where they get their, um, 
diploma or degree. Um, We also post on the job board. So our initial contact with a caregiver is through their application and we take them through a rigorous vetting process. So for us, vetting is key. We've made a deliberate decision not to allow just anyone to sign up as a caregiver uh, or a helper. Um, And so we take them through a resume check to make sure they have Canadian home care or senior care experience. Um, We do an aptitude test, a couple of job reference checks, a criminal background check, and then an interview before they even meet the client. Um, And so that all takes place before the match with the client happens. And then once they're they're matched, um, Mm -hmm. let's say a family is looking for a caregiver and there's certain parameters around the situation Mm -hmm. and certain desired characteristics or days and times. So there might be multiple candidates that meet those criteria. Mm -hmm. So they could interview, and this is also key, they would interview the candidates candidates and be able to choose. Um, And so through our model, we really want to have the family have visibility control over the selection process, but know that we vetted them. Um, And we found that this way, both the caregiver and the family are much happier. Mm -hmm. Well, they feel like they have some control. I know that through the process we went um, uh, through experience and from other friends, one of the issues that happens is as a family, it's often you're like, okay, I need this help. And then you just get sent someone. And I know that agencies do their best to try and match that same person upcoming. Yeah. But it doesn't always work. And the, and the um, government funded uh, programs as well, you might just, you might be getting someone different all the time. And I know that can be very upsetting when you're, it's hard enough for seniors to say, I'm at the point now I can't do this for myself. It can be a, a real blow to their, we, we don't want to have a blow to their dignity. It can be really hard on the ego. Right. And, you know, I wouldn't mind, you know, maybe steering the conversation that way a little bit is how, what advice would you give for families who have a senior that they want to give support to, how do they even broach that topic? Because I know I have friends whose parents are like, oh, I'm fine. I'm living my house all by myself. But they think they're taking care of everything, but they're actually not taking care of everything. And the family's trying to do as much as they can. Do you have any advice on how do you, how do you broach these subjects? Yeah, absolutely. The best, um, the best advice I can give is to start the conversation early. And um, we've heard that lots. Like that's probably a very common piece of advice. Um, but start the conversation when there's no panic or need to make yeah. any quick decisions because ultimately mm-hmm. you want your parent to feel like it's their decision. So you want to actually plant the seed early and have a really casual conversation about whatever it is that you're concerned about. Um, and prior to your first conversation, you might actually want to do some research as well so that you can okay. have an intelligent conversation with your parent about the options if the conversation actually goes that way. Um, so baby steps, um, start the conversation early about little things like, can we get someone to help you mow the lawn? Can we get someone to help clean once or once a week or a couple times a month? So those are, or, or get groceries delivered, like pick the things that aren't as intrusive. Um, right. 
as, for example, helping with um, showering or medications. Um, so think of what are the little things that has the most uh, or the highest probability of agreement from them. Right, right, yeah. right. And usually how things often start is if the family, the adult children, do live close by, it's often the children who start doing these tasks first. You know, you right. go over to figure out why the remote's not working, change a light bulb, drop off groceries, yeah. bring over um, extra food that you've made. So um, it's very, very common for these tasks to be first be done by one of the adult children, but then as the needs evolve, then to transition those housekeeping tasks and chores to a professional. Right, right. I can see that coming over and like, hey, I'll help you with the garden or let's work on the garden and the mowing together. And then as you move maybe inside and have to help more with personal care, it's like, okay, let's get somebody else to do those yeah. tasks and transitioning that way. Because um, it certainly can be a challenge making that shift. Um, any extra advice? I mean, I love your advice on start yeah. early before it's yeah. needed. Yeah. Because when it's needed, it can be like, oh, that can be a really difficult one. Because when you wait until it's absolutely needed, sometimes it's too yeah. hard to pull together. And it's actually a transition out of the home into some sort of facility, which right. for some people is a really viable, wonderful option. But I think the yeah. starting the conversation early mm -hmm. and really early saying, you know, do you want to be in your own home? Do you mm -hmm. want to get support in your and keep is stay in your own home? Or are you right. wanting to go live in a seniors building, which can actually right. have lots of fun activities and so forth. But a lot of people want that option of staying in their home and they just don't know how to make it happen. Right. I, I think also everyone lives their lives in chapters, I like to think. Mm. And so in a particular chapter, the best solution really is to stay at home. Um, mm -hmm. There might come a chapter in someone's life where a group living environment is the best solution. And so I want families to be open to different solutions at different points in the parent's life. Yes. Yeah. That totally yeah. makes sense. I'll be honest. I, with my own father, just bringing it in there. Cause that's the most recent, um, experience I've had is we always thought we'll just keep him at home and, right. and, and that would work and, and, and bring in extra support. But, and I want to touch base on this. The challenge became when there became memory issues or a small amount of dementia that is right. trickier because then they can't be on their own in between moments. So right. how is that something like, do you have clients yeah. that have dementia or is that the yeah. line where something else has to be done? Yeah. So um, as uh, dementia progresses, it's very common and you're absolutely right. Family members worry about the parent being alone for any amount of time. And so yeah. as those needs escalate and you bring on caregivers for more and more hours during the day, you eventually get up to full-time care. And right. then you go from full-time care to maybe a live-in. And so one of the common reasons I see for someone to go from home into assisted living or long-term care is simply the home care costs are getting too expensive. Right. Because pri right. private 24-7 can, um, care can get very, very pricey. Um, yeah. so cost definitely is, 
one of the um, two or three main reasons I see commonly for people to move. The other is simply caregiver burnout. And that's one of the things we're trying to change is um, we see spousal caregivers or um, the adult children just getting burnt out. And in some cases, it's not a matter of the money. It's just um, it's gotten too much for them. The person's living at risk. Um, The family members just have hit their boundaries in terms of the amount of time and energy that they can um, devote. And so in those cases, we see moves to long-term care as well. Just right. for the safety so and well-being for that person. The magic sweet spot of the services that you provide, or you know, there could be other similar services. I don't even know. I hadn't heard of this particular type of service before. So mm-hmm. I like great on you. I want to see this go all over North America. Yeah, right. Um, I there there's a sweet spot where people are just they're still mentally uh with it and and capacity, which we can like, you know, a lot of people think of, we lose our mental capacities as we age. And that's not necessarily the case. It's just that there's higher incidence of dementia as you get older. But if you don't have an actual illness, a dementia of some sort, you can have a really bright, sharp mind going well into eighties and nineties. But we all start to, at some point in time, have less capacity in our physical being. So that wonderful sweet spot where somebody has a home, they want to stay in it, and they just need that extra help. Um, Uh You were mentioning how family can come in for a bit, but I can also see how having a caregiver come in or services like you offer can actually keep that um, client feeling more independent. Like, mm-hmm. it, especially if it's presented in a way of not, we're sending someone in to take care of things because you can't, it's like, right. you're now the CEO of your own care. And right. now you have this. And this is what we kept telling my dad. I said, we're your minions. You're the boss. Yeah. We're the minions. We're just doing the yeah. work. And that actually shifted. So that would be a hint from me is shift to say, you're, you're the boss still. What is it that you want doing? Now we'll do the work for you. Right. And I don't know if, you know, if you have certain ways of saying this is how you present it to your, to your parents or your loved ones. I think that's a great way to look at it is that they're the boss. They're there to help you. It's not because you can't do it. It's because, you know, you can spend more time doing the things you enjoy. Right. Absolutely. And also the nice thing is if we, um, a really good match, um, is not just based on experience, skills, um, and availability, but it's on personality as well. So if you get mm-hmm. the right personality match, um, the parent actually starts really enjoying the company mm-hmm. of um, the companion or caregiver. And, you know, we see lots of cases where they become friends. And mm-hmm. over time, because our model promotes consistency, it's like the same person coming every day. There's no switching yeah from one person to another. And through that consistency, they get to really know the caregiver. And we've seen lots of cases where they become very close friends. It's almost like the caregiver becomes a member of the family. Um, the senior looks forward to seeing the caregiver. Um, and so it's a really nice um, enrichment of their life. Yeah. I, I just had, as you were talking I had a flash from the scenes of driving Miss Daisy. I love Uh, that movie, you know, just that the development of the relationship that can, I think that's encouraging that sometimes it can start off like a little garden 
and you know, by the end is like a really warm, loving relationship, really. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, but I, now I want to change the focus to you for a moment. I'm curious, okay. like, what brought you into this? How did you come to be the owner and come up with this concept? Yeah. Um, so I have um, an interesting origin story. Um, I had a very big career change in my 30s. So I started off in a completely different career. I started off as a lawyer, um, went through university, mm -hmm. have a business degree, got a law degree, um, thinking, you know, I wanted to practice law for uh, ever. And, um, <laughs> and I realized early on in, um, in, you know, my articling year and my first year, um, that it wasn't what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Okay. Um, that, uh, um, surprise, surprise, the practice of law was very different from law school. <laughs> Can you believe it? <laughs> and so <laughs> I've heard that about a lot of different careers. Right. Um, but I mean, joking aside, I think in any industry or practice or craft, there's an excitement of anyone starting their career because, you know, you're in your 20s, you're learning lots. Um, you're suddenly making your own money. Um, you're being challenged and learning every day. So there's this experience curve that's very exciting. And once you get to the peak and you're not learning as much every day, but you're just practicing that craft or skill or profession, you really have to enjoy it if you're going to do it the rest of your life. Um, mm -hmm. Because that excitement and novelty has worn off. Um, and so for me, I, I just knew it wasn't uh, what I wanted to do the rest of my life. And so what happened was this idea came about um, through kind of indirectly um, of helping seniors with um, initially the idea was housing placement, actually. So home to home initially, as you can kind of guess from the name, was around helping them transition from their former or current home to a new home and mm -hmm. all the decisions um, that are involved in that. And so we still do yeah, that. So neat. we navigate <clears throat> the senior housing system, both on the public side and the private side. Okay. And we have a transition team that helps them downsize and do all of that. We also do care navigation and care management. Um, so that's how it came about is when the idea came, I just felt like it was my calling. And I, it, it was this feeling I couldn't describe, really, mm -hmm. um, that it felt right. And I knew internally that I had to pursue this um, and that it would be worth leaving law for because I didn't want to just leave law for anything. Um, and so as although the first few years were really difficult. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. Um, it's pretty challenging starting a new business and oh, you have this concept and you can see it in the future. But those first few years, you have to be pretty yeah. darn tenacious. The first three to five years. Um, yeah, I wouldn't wish it upon anybody. It was difficult. Um, made a lot of mistakes in those in that first business. If I could do it all over again, there'd be some major things I'd do differently. Um, but got through it. And then it's like, it's what people say about having kids. You forget the pain. Um, and then uh, and then you decide, oh, maybe I'll start a second one. And, <laughs> and so um, my care base came about because through the 16 years of experience in helping families with healthcare navigation, I saw how um, the existing model of home care was a little bit outdated. There were many mm -hmm. gaps. 
between the public and private system where families weren't being served and seniors were going to long-term care unnecessarily or too early. I totally get that, that where if if there was something missing, right? Like that gap. And and that was going to be one of my questions is, you know, maybe on even a more global question, what do you see Mm -hmm. in the gap? Like what gaps do you see right now in Mm -hmm. senior? And this is mostly your experience obviously is within Canada, but I imagine that other countries around the world and the States that they face similar problems, depending on how the structure is set up in their given state or province. The main gap I see um, that is a systemic problem is actually um, implied in the statistic that you started off the podcast with, which is why is there such a high percentage of older adults who have a chronic condition, yet such a low percentage taking advantage of the public home care system? And the reason I believe is the public health system is focused on personal care. So our health authorities provide community care for people who need things like medication, administration, help with um, what are called activities of daily living, which are, you know, getting dressed, showering, um, grooming and hygiene and so forth. But if you were to take a look at the average senior, chronic condition or no chronic condition, and how they age and what they typically need help with, People with a chronic condition, so let's take arthritis or a heart condition or or anything, um, typically it's the house chores and housekeeping, driving to appointments, uh, cooking nutritious meals, um, those kind of things that people need help with first. Um, You don't go from being completely independent to suddenly needing help with a shower. Yes. So... No, it's, unless you've had some sort of yes. surgery or injury or something along yeah, those lines. Something, yeah, something unexpected. But in the natural spectrum of aging, people need help with, you know, the um, home care tasks around, you know, nutritious meals, medications, um, cleaning, doing laundry, um, companionship, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. those are things that the health authority they do medications, but other than that, they don't do house chores, appointments, um, cooking, right. companionship. And so I think that's why there's so many seniors that don't qualify or not partaking in the public health care services. That's a big gap. You have to go privately to find right. that kind of help. So right. I think that's the main gap because right off the bat, yeah. you have to spend money to yeah. um, pay 100% of the costs associated with home care. Right, right. Yeah, I can see. And this could get into a whole big conversation on would it be worth the government funding, even if they don't fund it fully, to actually help fill that gap because it's more expensive once you put somebody into a nursing home or some sort of home at some point until you're at the point, as you said, if you need round the clock care, then it becomes more economical to actually go into a facility versus at home. So as you were talking, my thought was without a service like you provide, um, people are really looking at, I need to find somebody that takes me to my appointments. I might get a delivery service, but I, I might have somebody come in and do the laundry or somebody come in and and clean the house. And all of it is, if you have all these different individuals, that's a lot of coordination 
mm-hmm. that can leave seniors at risk because of all these different people coming in and out. Right. And so I can see that something where you have um, like one person or two different people that are set up as your main caregivers and providers right. that are willing to do a broader scope of activities, right. that really fills in that gap that you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. And you get the consistency is so key. Yeah. Because it's very disruptive to see a different person or not knowing the, the, the anxiety of the anticipation of who's coming today. Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah. C- consistency is key. And that's one of the things we really try to promote. Um, it's very similar to hiring a nanny for your kids. You would never imagine having a different nanny come every day to take your kids, exactly. um, exactly. to take care of your kids while you're at work, right? Um, exactly. So it, it's it's very similar. I can see this being very comforting, especially as you said, like, so if say a senior, you're in the Vancouver area. So if a senior is in the Vancouver area, but the child or the family lives in a different city, knowing and being able to communicate and even the, the convenience of being able to communicate on an app, here's the tasks I want. Um, I can, what's coming to mind as well is if it's the, if you take it from the point of view of the caregiver, they're coming in, they're getting to know that client. They'll be able to see mm-hmm. when there's subtle changes. They'll be right. able to come and go, you know, Martha doesn't seem right today. And be able exactly. to reach out to the family. I think that is so vitally important. That's a great and point. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know we've talked about this, but I want to highlight in a nutshell, a bit of a summary. How are you different? Your services, how are they different than what is out there? Well, I think we're different in a, f- a few different ways. Um, I would say the way we're using technology, we haven't talked much about um, our platform, but I think how we're we're building technology in-house, we're not reliant on a third-party oh, okay. system and trying to make it work for us. Um, we're, we actually have built from scratch um, our entire platform to oh. help families um, first of all, find the ideal caregiver quickly. So we have algorithms and we have innovative ways of um, how we do the match to find that ideal caregiver quickly. And then the care management platform we've built in-house to help that person um, seamlessly go from finding and hiring that caregiver to now, okay, let's delegate what they're supposed to do on the shift. Um, there's messaging within the platform. You invite the family members and everyone's a member of this care circle and can see what's going on. Um, and so one, that's one of the ways we're different is how we're using technology and being tech forward in envisioning what the future of home care could look like. Um, secondly, um, something I mentioned is we, we vet, we have very high vetting standards and, um, we mm-hmm. have some other um, service marketplaces that are like us that don't do any vetting, um, which is scary oh. because so they're you, just a match. Oh, yeah. So like they you, just match people up. Yes, or um, it's completely self-serve where you um, go on and it's like the Amazon of care, and you just you can pick service okay. providers um, and we have a lot of customer support. Um, We're a little over the top in um, basically cherry picking the ideal candidates for every client. Um, The third way we're we're different is um, client has complete selection and control. 
they Amazing. get the final say on who the caregiver is. If they don't feel someone is the right fit, no questions asked. Um, I mean, they can meet caregivers prior to the first shift. And um, okay. most other companies in the industry are not doing that. That is, I, I believe, a very wonderful model. Like knowing knowing a little bit about this area, I think it's it's a model that I want to see take off across the country. Thank you. Now, yeah. now, before we start to sign off, I want to let everyone know that you can get lots more information in the show notes and the link to your websites will be there Thank you. as well. But you mentioned resources. So I want to um, just pick on that. So if somebody doesn't live in your area and they're going, oh, this doesn't apply to me, but actually you have lots of resources, you have lots of blogs. Yeah. And I know that you've um, kindly done a blog that's going to be on the Fabulous at 50 website shortly as well. And it might even be up there now. Um, we'll double check on that. And uh, just tell us if somebody went, when someone, let's just say when everyone that's listening goes to your website to check out what you have, what might they find there? In addition to the marketplace, we have a resource hub. And no yep. matter where you live, certain things are common across all provinces or countries. Um, so, um, for example, we have white papers on home safety. How can you okay. make the home safer for your parent? What are some common safety adjustments, modifications, or renos um, that you could do? So we have a guide on that. Um, we have a guide on... Um, how to deal with family dynamics and resistance and, and all like a, kind of the softer mm -hmm. elements of being a family caregiver. Um, we have right. caregiver training. And so oh, this okay. is equally applicable to um, professional caregivers as well as family caregivers. If you're performing caregiving tasks for your parent, I mean, aside from, you know, doing laundry and grocery shopping, but if you want to learn about memory care, dementia care, if you want to learn about how to help them in the bathroom, we've actually partnered with a um, very large caregiver training institute. Um, and they have online courses. And I believe those skills I mean, it doesn't matter whether your parent lives in Ontario, Alberta, or BC. If you're helping them in the bathroom, you're helping them get out of bed. If you're helping them get dressed, you want to learn more about Alzheimer's and what that might look like two years from where your parent currently is now. You know, these are great courses, and they're they're not long courses, um, and you can do them at your own pace. And so in the hub, we have a link to our partner um, training institute to take those courses. That's fantastic. I just learned something new as well. We didn't even touch base yeah. on that. That's even more resources than I was expecting, which is wonderful because I'm sure there's people that just are like, I haven't been trained for this. This isn't my area. I work in, I don't know, IT. I'm not a caregiver. I'm not a nurse. I'm not, but you don't need to be. You need to have right. a caring, loving heart and find the resources in your area. So, um, I want to say a couple of things before we sign off. So Stephanie, it, this, I really feel your heart in your business here. It's very much a heart forward. And I think that's what people are looking for these days. Mm -hmm. It's also, you're very smart, you know, and, and just touching into your, your background, the fact that you were a lawyer and did business, you've been able to pull all of this together and, and use it. And I think this is really important for, um, I think our community that sometimes go, Oh, I I've left a career. I've, 
I have uh, want to be doing something else. And we can take those resources. Like they're never wasted. You you left law in the traditional, but I, I bet beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have been using your law skills <laughs> in your business and putting it together. So, you know, all of that is quite amazing. And I think when we pool our desire to support others and we take our background um, initiatives and education and and do things like this. It's wonderful. So before we sign off, what I want to do is pick your brain on three pearls of wisdom or advice you have. I'm actually going to get six from you and I'll tell you why. I would love three suggestions that you have for someone that's considering becoming a caregiver. Maybe they're not a caregiver, a caregiver yet. Okay. Yeah. But so your caregivers that are coming in, like what, it, what if somebody's sitting there going, you know, I want something different. It might be a woman that's an empty mm-hmm. nest or changing career and they want to do something and they haven't been a caregiver necessarily, or they have experience. What, what can they do to get into the caregiver field? Uh, my first piece of advice, the first thing I think of is um, try to talk to someone who's in that field already. And uh, actually, this is good advice for anyone seeking, you know, thinking about uh, getting into any career. Go talk to some people who are doing it um, and um, get um, a diverse set of opinions around their experiences, because it may not be all as rosy as you think. Um, And and that's true of any job, actually. You know, there's a lot of things that may come up that you don't expect that would be great to know in advance. Second is really think about why you're in it um, and what your own um, boundaries are. And third, um, look into what training you can, um, if you don't have the experience, then you may need some training to build up those credentials. Um, We have some caregivers who have 20, 30 years of experience, but don't have the formal um, PSW or HCA diploma, and their experience makes up for that by far. So I actually, it, I don't care that they don't have that, dip, that original diploma. Maybe they just never had a chance to go to school. Um, but if you're um, going new into the field, um, the education around getting that diploma is not that onerous. Um, it's a nine-month program in most provinces. And so look into that Excellent. I, I just think it's a wonderful area. We're going to need this more and more. Yeah. And so I think it's a, um, a wonderful job, especially when I'm hearing you can maybe set your hours. Like if on, say, something like your platform, you go, I'm mm-hmm. available for 10 hours a week. Like, right. What a difference that will give to yeah. having somebody feel like they are have meaningful work. Now, right. what would be your three best pieces of advice for families or people that are dealing with um, elderly loved ones or looking to get care? Uh, My three pieces of advice. So first is something we've already discussed, which is, you know, do your research early, plan ahead and have the conversation early. Yes. The second is um, this. I think a lot of families have to acknowledge that what you might want for your parent is perhaps different from what they want for themselves. I see a lot of um, families struggling with um, thinking that certain things should be happening for mom or dad, but 
they're either resistance or they actually just don't agree. Um, And so there's, there's this role reversal that everyone goes through kind of when you start caring for aging parents. And so just remember that it ultimately is still their decision. Right. Um, Third piece of advice. Um, I think good communication and coordination is really important um, and being prepared for unexpected events because inevitably, in most cases, something unexpected is going to happen. And so if you prepare in advance, um, so for example, um, everyone should have a power of attorney um, at any age. Actually, I have one. Yes. Um, because you never know when something might happen. So um one way to get be prepared for the unexpected is to get that power of attorney in place. And there's a whole other conversation to have around who do you pay. I just had, I'm like, I'm having you back on because I think a whole conversation on having a will, having your power of attorney, having, you know, because there's different, you can give power for uh, like more financial things is different than who is your decision maker. If you can't make decisions for your health. So yes. those three things, and I think exactly. we should, I think this yeah. is a really good segue into another uh, conversation. I would love to, I yeah, I would love to come on again. So, yeah, Absolutely. so that whole uh, topic is called incapacity planning. Generally, that's what people refer okay. to it. So it's around who do you pick as a power of attorney? What can they do and not do? Who do you pick as, in BC, we call it a healthcare rep. What can they do, what they can't do? How do they two work together? Because there's practical implications of if you're choosing two different people, um, certain decisions can fall through the cracks. So do you point the same person? What do you have? What do you have? What if you have four or five kids? Who do you choose? And then um, having a will and um, estate planning. So, yeah, that's a whole other conversation. I feel like we just did a commercial for one of our next podcasting. Exactly. (laughs) Excellent. Well, Stephanie, I know that you have a busy schedule and you're doing amazing work in the world. So thank you so much for being on today's podcast. And again, everyone that's listening, check out the show notes. And if you have any questions, there'll be contact information there and people can reach out to you or myself to find out some more information. And, and I would say I'm going to add with my one little pearl, having gone through this twice with both of my parents separately is remember you're also their loved one, right? Sometimes Mm, you can get too caught up in the busyness of the caregiving. Remember to simply be there with them and enjoy them. Yes. Yeah. Well, have a wonderful day, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. But before you leave, I'm curious. What pearl of wisdom are you taking away from today's episode? I do hope it held some inspiration or information for you to live your best life. If you are not yet part of our sisterhood, I invite you to join our community by visiting our website, fabulousat50.com, and you'll receive a free copy of our ebook, Make Mind Fabulous, 21 Ways to Energize Your Life. It is packed with loads of tips and tricks. Plus, if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review to let us know what you think. Remember, keep choosing fabulous. It's never too late to live the life you deserve.
catch you on the next episode.